Hello, my name is Elliot Maya, and I will be having a conversation with Kai Pelton for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans-identifying people. It is July 17th, 2017, and this is being recorded at Kai's home. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Jarrett Kai Pelton. Um, I'm 21. I am an artist of many different art forms and yeah. what kinds of art forms um i i love music i love um i love all forms of art. i love i love music and dance and i love vocal music i love theater um I love visual art. I love all, th I like the fact that I like to see people's expressions mm -hmm. and art is like a great way of seeing that and art comes in so many different forms. When did you know that art was something that you enjoyed and that you wanted to pursue? Um, I mean, the first thing I remember, I wanted to be an entomologist. Like How when I was you? really, I was like really little. Like I used to watch these like videos, like VHS tapes of like bugs and it was like, uh, like yeah it was like all the different types of insects and stuff like that and I was like really into them um like that was like my thing I used to love butterflies and caterpillars which is which I re didn't realize how much it related to me and also like frogs like and like the tadpole to frog like mm -hmm. kind of thing so like that whole I didn't realize how much it related to my life experience until much later but now it's kind of it's kind of cool when but were yeah. you what continue? oh yeah but I wanted to I noticed, but also, like, I also wanted to be, like, I remember when I started, like, dancing, like, I, I love the fact that, like, I love dancing. I used to love, like, hip-hop music, like, back, like, in the early, when I was in, like, the 90s, early 2000s, like, that type of music, and R&B, and early pop, and stuff like that, that kind of, like, shaped me into, like, the person I am today. So, I was very much influenced by music, which is very much, um from my parents, because both of them are very musical people. My dad's a musician, my mom has played a bunch of instruments growing up, and yeah. So, so it sounds like music is pretty foundational to you as a person. Yeah. <laughs> when did you start, you said dancing? When did you start dancing? Um, I started dancing, I mean like moving, because when I think of dance, I think it's like any okay. type of movement, like people dance throughout their entire lives, like that's like, so, um, I, when I started to walk, like, I remember when music would come on, I would, like, dance with my father um, to, like, certain things. Like, he'd, like, swing me around and stuff like that. Um, and I remember I started dance classes, like, really early. I think I did tap and jazz and hip-hop. And then later on, I, like, did ballet and then I did capoeira. And then I did, like, yeah, I did a bunch of stuff. So dance was always like a part of my life, but then like I was also put into like piano lessons from like the age wow. of three. So like I've been playing piano for a while. Um, and my dad always wanted me to play the guitar because he plays the guitar, but I never really got into the guitar until I was a lot older. And now I can like, I like can like a little bit of something on the guitar, but like not really that much. At what age did you start all of these musical expression forms? It was very, it, it started out very young. Cause I remember like- Like three? Yeah, I remember when I would like have my piano teacher come over and 
or her son would be there and he'd play like classical music and I'd like dance like what I thought was ballet and mm-hmm. like spin and like felt like a, a, a pretty ballerina but like never said it out loud <laughs> but yeah I just remember like that was something that I did but then also like wanting to be able to play piano like that mm-hmm. like that beautifully so yeah how did dancing make you feel then and the follow-up question will be how does it make you feel now um dancing then was like or it still is like it was like my connection to like the type of like work or the type of things i mean like i loved performing like through dance was like performing on stage you know like you'd like put all this work in and then have like a recital or like a performance where you like show how, how far you've come and that was always like my favorite part was like getting ready for the point like it's happening and then you have like the costumes and all this stuff and like that was like always like really fun the whole like yeah so then that's when like theater and stuff kind of like first started to come in when I was like able to like do performances through dance that's like when I like went to theaters and like would perform at theaters and then Later on in life, I started to like actually like get into like theater, and I started then well, like later on in high school. But yeah, and dance now, yeah. or dance now is a way of expressing emotions and expelling energy that I couldn't otherwise express or expel. If that makes any sense. No, it makes sense. What kind of emotions? Do you find that you express through dance that you can't get out any other kind of way? Um, before I started transitioning, um, I used to vogue as a way of releasing feminine energy and just to like really feel like, oh, like that was something that I like. I remember like before I even started hormones, like I would like, I would watch these videos and I'd like try and like do these movements and like since I was like pretty young and I just remember it, it was like something that really did like I saw how spiritual it was for like the people who really were into it and how it could be a release of energy or a way of coping with like hardships of life that along with like Amy Winehouse yeah I don't think there's like a single song that I haven't heard of hers and if there is then I'm very upset about it so dancing is about, from what, I, what I'm hearing, it's about release, um, feminine energy. Um, is there anything else? Um, it's, it's about, it's like, a, it's like a physical form of expression. Okay. It's like through, it's like a very tangible, like you can see it, you can feel it, you can learn to do it. Like it's there, like some people are like, I can't know how to dance, but like even nodding your head is still dancing. So yeah, dance is a part of life. Is there a specific performance that you were in that sticks out in your head as just one of your favorites and one of your most, um, mm-hmm. that you release the most in, I suppose? Um, technically, okay, so recently, I've never been to like a ball before, mm-hmm. like until I like, walked out of a ball or if I vogue that one, but I've like watched videos and stuff like that, but I've never actually like gone up there and like done anything, so. I was at the I got invited to one at the Brooklyn Museum and I didn't realize it was like a real ball and that there was like actual categories and so I went up and like just decided to walk randomly and ended up getting tens and like battling and like doing all the stuff that I've seen other people do and 
it wasn't until actually yesterday that I saw like the video of like me like all like the whole entire thing like all like my performance from start to finish and I was I was floored like I, I was I was really really happy with myself I was like I didn't remember doing that like I don't even know I, I could do that like it was it came so naturally from it was a full just like expression of like that moment was like I'm taking like a leap of courage right now and I'm just gonna just do this for fun because I know if I, if I have fun I can I can do it so my adrenaline's pumping let's go like <laughs> it ended up being like a really really great experience so like that was like the first time I've like actually just like let go on like in front of so many people in such a vulnerable way because if you don't if you don't know I mean not like I don't know if it doesn't look a certain way or if you, if you don't have like a certain energy about you like you will like they, like you you won't get a chance to like continue and like keep showing like what you can do and it wasn't until like I got like nauseous because <laughs> I was really really tired <laughs> and like throwing my body around and stuff but um yeah I would end up like the battle that I that I lost was basically the person who got second place was with mm -hmm. them so basically i consider myself like third place mm -hmm. in that thing and that's like my first time ever so no one knew my name like they knew both like the people who were there like they both like had been around for a while but like that was just like some random person who just came out like let's let's have a little fun like i hope i could chop let's go and like ended up being awesome so when was this it was June? June. Like, yeah. Very recently. It was very recently. At the Brooklyn Museum. At the Brooklyn Museum, yeah. I didn't know they held balls. First ever. Wow, that's amazing. Um, who taught you to dance? Ooh. <laughs> um, learning how to be a human. Okay. <laughs> like, life experience. Um, many, I can't, there's not just, like, one person. Like, many people. Many mentors. Many mentors, myself, um, nature. Can you like, tell me about some of your main mentors? Okay, so, um, well, right now, well, my best friend currently is a dancer. Mm -hmm. um, and she's kind of like a, she's only like a year, a little bit over a year older than me, but she's very much a mentor when it comes to dance um, now. But before, like, I did study with Broadway Dance Center. Um, I did Nick City Kids. I like auditioned for like the the Knicks, like where you like the kids like who go up and like dance at like halftime and like, mm -hmm. do like that stuff. So I, I did that for a year, um, which was really fun. It was also like a really difficult year, mental health wise. But like I was still like I'm 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 like doing stuff that I really want to be doing. So yay! <laughs> but yeah, um, I just yeah, that was really that was a fun time. So it sounds like performance is a big part of your life. Yeah, like performing arts. And, yeah. yeah, and does it sound, does it go beyond the actual stage for you? Like does yeah, like day-to-day -day life become? It's not like really a performance, but for me it's like, for example, my customer service voice is a completely different person and I have no clue about it. Can I hear it? Hi, how's it going? What can I get you started on today? Wow. Would you like a large or a small? And did you want sugar or anything else? Okay, I'll get that started for you right now. Wow. Have a great day. Maybe filled with smiles. <laughs> it's like really annoying. It's like, laugh. <laughs> You're blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, I would like, so my manager called it flirting, but I was just like trying to, 
a pure human. So mm-hmm. it's like, hey, Isaac, like, what can I get you started on? Yeah. I like, oh, wow, that's a very nice necklace you got going on there. Yes, let's do this. Yeah, I don't know who she is. Is appearing human something that you feel like you have to try at? Yes. Yes, tell me more. Um, Like, for me, appearing human is acting like, there are, like, certain, like, social things that, like, took me a while to realize that you have to, I personally have to focus on doing. Like, the way I'm perceived by people is something that I have to pay attention to because if I don't, I could just, do whatever my heart desires and not really like notice like the consequences socially mm-hmm. and whatever else um so yeah like for me like being human is like being able to like ride the train and not look like i'm in pain from anxiety mm-hmm. <laughs> or um like doing things that like curb dysphoria so i just feel mentally like okay when i go outside or um yeah, so, like, for me, like, appearing human is mainly, like, doing the things I need to do to feel sound in my body in any space that I'm in. Because, like, for a lot of people, no, like, there isn't really any truly, truly safe space because it could be, like, invaded at any moment by something or someone unsafe. So, but, yeah, you have to make it safe for yourself. Right. But radiating positive energy and requesting hugs. No, I like that. I like the idea of creating like a moving space that is you, that Mm -hmm. is your immediate bubble as you put off your energy and do the work to protect that energy. Yeah, that's literally like, that's kind of been how I I did it. That's the beautiful way of putting it because I've never been able to like verbalize it in that way, but it kind of is, if there isn't, ever a truly safe space like around you because you never know what another human can do mm-hmm. you have to create like a bubble of safe space that other people can come into like you like even like if that's just like a hug that's coming into like that's that's a safe that's like the only safe space like <laughs> is hugs or like sorry or like because any any person could switch and make a space unsafe. i don't know how to like describe no, that it makes sense it sounds kind of like performance as strategy but mm-hmm. also you love it it's a passion yeah it's a passion but it's also like a, a strategy it's a tool um and that's what the one thing i like about art is that there's art is practical like there are many different like every art is like the basis of most of like society like the building you see like everything that you use your pens your notebooks your microphones or whatever else um all of those things are art they've all been like designed and drawn and made to look like the way they do and yeah that's really interesting to me that's why i like art everything so when you say expression does Mm -hmm. with art um is gender sexuality race class things that you address in your own art like do you actually make art besides performance we've not seen um i have Often, like, the art that I've made, if it's, like, visual or something I've drawn, has always been, like, a visual representation of, like, a feeling that, like, it's really hard to describe. Mm. So, like, usually it involves, like, I draw a lot of eyes. Like, I remember, like, learning how to draw an eye, and I thought that was, like, the, the coolest thing, because I remember, like, that was something that, like, 
making eye contact is weird, okay? It's just, like, in different societies, it, they mean different things, and, like, no, it's weird, because eye contact. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's, like, a lot of different things about, like, the eye, or, like, different types of eyes, how different animals have different eyes, how they look, so that's something that's really interesting to me. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, how long have you been in New York? My entire life. Your entire was, life. Yeah, I was born and born raised. Born and here. raised. Which yes. borough? Um, I was born in Manhattan on the Upper West Side and raised in Brooklyn. Um, like, right in like the heart of Brooklyn, pretty much. Like, right where like, the Brooklyn Museum, where the, the Prospect Park and the Botanic Gardens. I, originally, I lived right across the street from the Brooklyn Museum and the Botanic Gardens, and now I live walking distance from Fort Greene Park, from downtown, from Atlantic Terminal, from Bed-Stuy, from like, so I live in a place that's like kind of, yeah, like I can get anywhere in Brooklyn or anywhere in like New York City, like really easily from just where I live. Have you ever encountered like queer or trans, like performance communities or art communities in New York? Not like, I mean, I have, but like, the ones that like shaped me weren't specifically targeted towards queer and trans mm-hmm. people, but it was just like they were just open to any kind of people, mm-hmm. any kind of person. And me as a queer person who didn't really have like a, a space or a circle where I felt really sound, like for me, like when I in high school, I joined a theater group called Cat Youth Theater, Creative Arts Team Youth Theater, it's kind of CUNY, um, and that really did shape. Excuse me. Um, who I am as a person, like now as an adult, like it taught me. It was like the first like of like, like in theater, like it was based on improv, on devising theater, on using theater to start conversations, to say things that are hard to say or to teach things that are hard to teach, and we were allowed to create scenes about anything we wanted. Like there were no boundaries of what we could do it was literally anything our minds could think of and we could put it on its feet and share it with each other and then give feedback and that whole like it it just brought everyone in that in that community really really close and like the reason why I'm having this interview is because of that theater group because someone I met from there was or was know someone over here and so like now like a lot of yeah that's, that's great how The theater through art through something like that can like connect to you so many different people so yeah that's beautiful it sounds like theater and performance is also a space of vulnerability for you as mm-hmm. much as it, as it is strength uh, would you agree yes yeah. um i get really nervous before like performing like i it, i have to like push myself to like perform like in front of people like to sing in front of people to even if it's like two people like to like sit down and like if like there's a piano there like I'm not gonna just sit down in a room with people and start playing the piano and singing even though I can because I just I don't know like it just makes me it, I just get scared like a little bit anxious like I don't know like what if someone doesn't like the way I sound and they like say it verbally like to me like that's like your art is also like the things things that you create is like when your expression is so so sacred like you want to protect it you know or like when like your art is like yeah it's like things you create it's like it's like a baby you want to like protect your baby <laughs> so yeah mm-hmm, that's really good 
So you were also involved in organizations, yeah. right? Can you tell me more about those? Um, right now I'm a co-facilitator of the Transgenerational Theater Project. Um, we're basically a multi-generational theater group that brings together people of all genders or all genders or lack of genders or full of genders that there are um, and bring them together into a space where we can create theater about the way we're perceived, about the way we view the world. It's basically, um, it's very similar to Cat Youth Theater in the way, in the, the structure of what it is. Like the way we're running the theater group is very, is very similar. Like it's a, there's lots of like circles where you're like looking at everyone in the room and there's lots of like activities that bring people together. And so it's like to create a space of community within the trans community within New York City, especially like multi-generational. Because for me, like a lot of like trans people didn't get to live past the age of 35 mm -hmm. or like a lot of trans people die young and like highest rate of suicide, like highest murder rate, like all these things are scary. And to meet trans people who are older, who've been through Stonewall, who marched in like 20, 30, 40 pride parades, like stuff like that is really beautiful. I don't know how many pride parades there are. I probably sound dumb if there's less than 40. Anyway, um, but like that's, that's really powerful for me to be able to interact with them. And another thing is like I originally, I started off as like, I was a member of like, I was a participant and- Of the Transgenerational Theater, theater Project because um, the creators, it was originally for like um, their thesis project. Mm -hmm. Who are the creators? Um, Christian Appel, Lenny Yesner, and Amanda Thompson. Okay. Um, and it was for their thesis project in MA for their Masters in Applied Theater. And so it was like, this. I was really a participant because I like, think this is what they had to do. But like they always said like throughout that year, like we wouldn't have been able to like get as much stuff done without you and all this stuff. So the next year they made me an actual facilitator. And that has been a really, really interesting and very, very fun experience. And also like one that has really caused me to grow a lot more than in like the past since I started, like, it was something that I was asked to do and I committed to the entire time. And I grappled with, I had hard times, I had really, really great times. And, like, where I am now mentally and mature, maturity, mature, the way I've matured from this experience has, um, I don't know, it's created a... Not only like a, a circle that's very like supportive, but like I feel more confident and I feel very empowered and like my voice matters and my opinion matters and the things that I have, I have more to contribute to the world than just the art that I can create. I can also help people learn how to create their own art and that's something that's it's amazing. How long have you been a part of the project? The project's only two years old. So last year, um, 2016 mm -hmm. was the first iteration. Is that the word I'm looking mm -hmm. for? 
of the Transgenerational Theater Project, and then this was the second year. So last year you were a participant, this year you're a facilitator. Yeah, and it was a weird position to be in. I like I don't know if I mentioned, but I was like the youngest person in the room. Yeah. Um, so that was weird at first. Can you tell me more about that? Like, what was the age dynamic for you? So there are people of lots of different ages. There are like elders, um, like older folk. Um, there's like people in like their thirties and people in their twenties. But like I'm, we we used to have a couple more young young people in the project. Last year there was more young people, but this year is a little bit older. So I'm twenty one and I was the youngest person in the room that entire time. Would the oldest be like sixty? The oldest was probably in their seventies. I don't I don't really know how old, um exactly, but, um. But it's, it's it's beautiful to be able to to work with people who are older and help that help shape them, you know, in ways that that I didn't know I could like. It doesn't really matter what age you are; you can learn new things like, in, at any age, you know. It doesn't really matter. So that wasn't that. It really helped teach me, and also helped me like like curb like not curb but like really get in contact with like my concept of ageism hmm. and what that's like or and adultism like both like like stereotyping or thinking about older people in a certain way whether that's positive or negative and the way I'm perceived by older people like both were put in check through this experience because I'm at a place where I'm facilitating I'm like directing and I'm kind of like teaching people who are older than me how to do something that like I have more experience as like even as like a young person so like it really does put into perspective all the arguments I've had with people about like oh you're only like this old you don't really know what you're talking about like a lot of that stuff was always very frustrating for me because I was someone who's I love researching things like if I'm interested in something like I'm going to learn about it as much as I can and like obsess like for example when I I don't know what it started with but like I became obsessed with snakes and like now I have six some of them need new homes but I have six and they're like literal my literal comfort animal like and I didn't really realize that until like I just took the time to research and stuff like that so knowledge is Power. <laughs> I don't know who said that, but what sort of ageist um, stereotypes, I suppose, did people in the project or other participants have about you? Oh, I think a, I think ageism is or like for older adults. Is it is Adult. it when adultist is like someone who's like if you get crap for being younger, okay, and ageism okay. is if you like it. Okay, so what did you, what crap did you get for being younger? Um, I have ADHD, so Mm -hmm. sometimes my focus isn't where it needs to be, and me being a younger person, like, it kind of, like, seems like it comes across sometimes as immaturity, Mm -hmm. and so there was, I mean, now I'm, like, able to, like, that actually helped me a lot to, like, get that in check, but I remember there was one time where someone asked me, like, oh, can you slow down? Like, we were doing, an, like, a cross-the-room activity. So it was, like, cross-the-room if you like the color orange. Mm-hmm. And then people who like the color orange would cross-the-room. But I kept 
giving up prompts before people actually got to the other side because uh-huh. I was getting excited mm-hmm. and I was just thinking like faster than like I realized what the situation was going on and so like people kept correcting me mm-hmm. and like participants were doing it and like it was only like maybe like five times mm-hmm. but like yes five times is a bunch but like it was to the point where I just like the thing that made me like realize that I need to like be more consistent and with what I'm doing or like listen to what everyone's saying better or I don't know wait for people to get to the other side of the room before giving the next prompt but like people were like wait okay now go and like it was like Mm. to the point where it was like condescending and it was like I know what I'm doing I'm the one facilitating this 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 activity but Yes, I do. I my my brain is thinking a little bit faster than the room is moving, and I apologize. I need to like take a step back and like notice what I'm what's going on, and like focus on what's on the situation that's happening. Um, but that's I don't think you can. I don't blame anyone. Like mm-hmm. I don't blame like the people who are saying things because they were only trying to be helpful. But like. It, I think it comes from like a, like they see that I'm younger and like oh this person could use my help even as a participant and at the moment when I was like very I was moody at the mm. time I was really I was like kind of really pissed I was like I know what I'm doing like stop like I don't know why you're telling me what to do like I know what I'm doing and the facilitator like ah. <laughs> yeah so what was that what preconceptions did you have about people who are older that mm, you know that people who are older are automatically more wise or know more than you or have more life experience and it made me realize that just because you've been around you traveled around the sun and back to the same point a couple of times doesn't mean that you know more than people who have had less rotations around the side. I don't know. It's like, yes, with age, with, like, the older you get, the more you learn and the more life experience you have. But, like, sometimes if someone, if someone's life is so focused on a certain type of experience, for example, if I was, like, only focused on dance and I was a dancer and that's all I did, like, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done as many things as I've done because I've taken the time to like do other things and be versatile. So like sometimes I expect people to know more than they do. And that's like kinda like I don't know. Then I have to like backtrack and be like, wait, me let me let me reevaluate what I what I'm thinking right now. Did you connect with any of the older folks? Oh gosh, so many of them. Um, I just love to hear their stories. There, there's so many amazing people who I've met through this. Like people who, who, who some of the older folks are connected to. Um, and ooh, gosh, gosh, oh. <laughs> a lot of people in the project. Like, yes, I am y- younger, so they they do feel very protective of me, and like they're very happy for me when like I when I get to like new stages in my life or when like new things happen so yeah um it's 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 very nice do you keep in contact with any of them yeah definitely um I do I speak to a lot of them 
Um, I mean, I, I, we're currently doing um, a performance for the trans, the trans theater festival. Festival. I don't know. Trans theater festival. Um, it's happening um, next week, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. Where? Um, at the Brick Theater. Or the Brick. It's a theater in Williamsburg near Metropolitan on the G and Lermore on the L. Wow. How long um, has that been going on for? Do you know? I have no clue. The, okay. But I do know it's supposed to be like a, a whole bunch of like amazing queer artists making and gender non-conforming artists. Like, wow. And like to me, anyone who's gender non-conforming or trans is like family because there are certain experiences that all of us have to, that all of us not necessarily have to, but all of us have endured like misgendering. Like I'm not sure if everyone has been misgendered, but I feel like a lot of people who are trans or gender non-conforming have been misgendered and stuff like that kind of like, it. it's like th- that feeling on an emotional level that you just kind of like know more about somebody like just from like their experience or just from the way they identify and it it brings you closer to a lot more people do you find that that's been true for you that you feel an instant community or connection when you meet other like trans or queer folk oh yeah Yeah. whenever i whenever i like see someone on in like public who i can like seem like wow like that person looks like pretty 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 family like looks pretty (laughs) awesome looks pretty pretty queer and like i just love that or like when someone like it's very androgynous. Like I just, I, I love seeing that in other people because it makes me feel like I'm not alone, you know, especially in public. And it's hard for a lot of people to live authentically, dress authentically, and be their self, their their true selves in public. And that's something that I'm still dealing with as someone who's gender fluid and is at a place where I'm more gender full than genderless at times, and that can give me a little bit of anxiety, like. If I don't shave, like, as often as someone who has had to go testosterone in their body, like, I have to shave a little bit more often than some cis men would say, stutter. Some cis women might have to, um, but, yeah. So, like, sometimes I, like, I get lazy and I don't shave, and then I become a little bit more genderful than genderless because, like, there are certain things that are, like, I realize that are more androgynous or more gender suggestive than others for example like facial hair mm-hmm. or um like the way like proportions in mm-hmm. your body or the way like certain things are shaped and or like depending on like what clothes you wear um and it's that's something that i've learned to like i'm learning to master the art of now like that's an art form to me is like learning how to fully express yourself you know like, there are people who've mastered, like, how to dress themselves and what they look good in and how comfortable they feel, you know, where they feel really confident. But I'm still finding, like, clothes that make me feel super confident, super powerful. And I think that's something that, that's really, like, the way you express yourself to the world um, is, is powerful. It says a lot about who you are as a person. And if you're able to communicate to the world silently um your confidence in yourself in your gender in your authenticity um that's like super awesome and that's what i want to be able to do is be able to like have the world view me like the way i feel i i 
should be viewed. Yeah. What clothing items or accessories, etc., make you feel powerful? Ooh, I love um, clothing that is like really androgynous. That I could give to anyone to wear, and they look like practically the same in it. You know, so for me, like t-shirts, but that that are like like longer t-shirts to mm-hmm. me are like things that like anyone can wear, but like you can certain things that you can like femme out or like make it more masculine depending on how you style it. And so those things make me feel really powerful is when, I don't know, when I, when I, I mean, for me, makeup makes me feel, makes me feel very powerful. Like when I feel like I, I do certain things like contour or like the way I do my makeup to like curb certain um, dysphoria mm-hmm. things or like, things I dislike about, not dislike, but things that like kind of like make me nervous about my face. Um, and it's, 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 uh, it makes me feel very powerful when I look like myself. Like I, I haven't always been able to, that's weird. Yeah. I haven't always been able to recognize my reflection, like growing mm-hmm. up the, like the voice that I spoke in with my head and the voice that I spoke with my actual vocal cords, if that makes sense, was were like completely different. And it was difficult because I was like, what's going on? Like, why do, why does my inner voice sound different than, and I thought they should sound the same. Like, and that was something that like, I always wanted is for them to sound the same. Yeah. Do you have a specific power outfit, like from head to toe? A specific apparel. I really like like the edgy kind of look. Like for me, like a specific power outfit is like a perfectly androgynous outfit that's like not quote unquote offensive to anyone that you could just wear and like anyone could be like, Wow, that person looks really nice in what they're wearing and I think there are a lot of garments like that. Like a black shirt and like nice jeans and a cardigan and a messenger bag or something like that can be styled and worn depending on how you wear it in so many different ways that it can change the way, like the power or the way you feel. So that's. You used a term before um, earlier. You said genderful. Genderful, And I would love to hear kind of your definition of that term? Um, It's like, I've had times where I felt genderless and that's when there are things that like, like babies are androgynous. So things that I, that like in my brain are more like less developed, like before puberty or before like the, like the the things that really do end up gendering us. kick in like there are things that are like very that are genderless so like nipples are genderless eyes are genderless noses are genderless lips are genderless like there are a lot of different aspects of uh, someone's appearance that are genderless that everyone has like arms are genderless you know but there are some things that are very like genderful like facial hair or like the way you if if you wear like body hair can be like a very genderful thing like I don't if you don't shave your legs but you are a very, very feminine person that can end up looking very genderful. Mm-hmm. Or, but like if you do shave your legs and you're a very masculine person, that can look very, a little bit more genderless. So like it just depends on mm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Where do you feel the safest? Ooh. Um. With headphones on. With headphones on. Yeah. So anywhere with headphones on. I mean, for me, like surrounded by music or surrounded by art or like in a place where, or, like around other queer people. <laughs> um, yeah. Or sleep, asleep, yes, asleep, in bed, or eating food. But sometimes that can be like scary because if I'm like eating by myself, I feel like if I'm being watched, it's like weird for me. I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> Why do you think that is? I don't know. I, I feel there's like I have a ah, I don't know. Maybe I have a I don't know. Probably because I need therapy, and I don't really know what my my relationship with food is like. I haven't really discussed it in a way that I can vocalize properly but I have like a weird relationship with food like I know I it would be extremely hard for me to get like overweight or to get like to, to like gain like a lot of weight because I've tried and it's been extremely difficult for me to gain weight but then also I've I feel like that partially is like I get anxiety eating in public because I'm like people are gonna mm. look at me like look at that person eating by themselves they have no friends like I don't know what they're thinking about me and like that's like it's so lame, not lame, that's an ableist word. Um, that's so silly to mm -hmm. think about because why, why do you need to worry about people watching you eat? Like, yeah. yeah. You talked about, you mentioned earlier the idea of the art of navigation. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate? Of navigation? Yeah, like of, when you, like social spaces, I think you meant like people oh, who know how to of, dress themselves and know how to work spaces around. Them. Okay, yeah. Um, that's like finding your your voice or your your niche that makes that you excel at or that you you're knowledgeable about or that makes you feel confident and powerful. Like there are spaces or like things like for me when I'm speaking about music, I feel a lot more conf confident than if I'm speaking about math because music to me is a little bit easier. Like my my brain understands music a little bit easier than math, but sometimes like I've had times where people have explained music in the mathematical sense where now I'm like, well, you just bridged a gap kind of and I need to like focus on how to bridge this gap more often. But um, yeah, what was, what was the question? Yeah, the art of navigation. Yeah, some people are able to navigate the world. Um, like the art of navigation of like social spaces, like sometimes you have to put on, you have to carry yourself a certain way um, in certain spaces like you can't always like if you always look angry or if you always put on like a very like I'm upset or like I'm intimidating persona that's like eventually that's probably how you're going to really think of yourself you know um, and there are people who are able to move through spaces in the world without any problems like a lot of the time like cis people or like I've noticed is people more often are, are more comfortable navigating social spaces because they don't have the boundaries of worrying about your gender or don't have to, the boundaries of, for example, some people don't have the boundaries of worrying about how they're perceived race-wise mm. or, you know, so some people are, maybe it has to do with some of the privilege too, but some people are like, are able to navigate the world in a way that seems, at least in my eyes, less difficult than the way I had to teach myself how to navigate the world. I had to like make it into an art form and some people it's a lot more natural. 
Um, and so like the way you dress and the way you speak and the way you walk and the way you carry yourself are all things that can boost or bring down your confidence. And so you have to find the things that like boost your confidence and make you feel more sound and more, I guess, authentic. Cause like for me, like authenticity is something that's really important to me. It's like remaining authentic and how you like remaining true to yourself. You know, like if I know I'm never going to be the traditional like common or whatever I want to call it, like the normal definition of a man because I never identified with that and it might have taken some time to fully realize that but like I when you do realize like your relationship with yourself I guess that's something that's always super powerful or that's that really is it's eye-opening it's really awakening when did you realize um when did realize is not the right word, but when did you start becoming aware of uh, your relationship to yourself? Um, I remember, to be honest, it was in seventh grade when I was a part of the Next City Kids. I That was when I started self-harming. Mm-hmm. And that was a time in my life that was extremely happy, like outwardly, you know, like I had to go on stage and smile and dance and like even if I messed up keep going and like stuff like that and then backstage like I didn't always get along with all the people all the other people on the team like I was I was when you're younger like queerness is read as weakness in some ways so for me someone who's perceived as male who is very feminine and wasn't and wasn't always like the most confident in the way I spoke or like the way I looked um like, people could pick up on that, you know? Or, like, there were things, like, I didn't, like... My ADHD wasn't, like, exactly, like, diagnosed until, like, I was a lot older, so I didn't really understand that I had ADHD. So, like, there were things that i do that I thought were, like, hilarious or funny that no one else did. Or, like, there were, like, social things that, like, I had to learn how to maneuver. Um, and it was weird. Like, I, like, for me, like, I've always had, like, dysphoria around, like my bottom half and um I remember like I was trying on costumes and like there was like a jumpsuit like an overall jumpsuit that I had to wear and it came like way too high like in the crotch area and I remember I would not stand up straight like I would not like he was like just stand up it's fine like you know like we have to like figure out like what how it actually like where the actual length is and I was like I can't do that like and I didn't realize that was because like I I had like dysphoria or it was about like my gender and so now looking back, like it's if I had a stronger relationship with myself or a more positive relationship with myself, I wouldn't have gone home like the times where I felt weak or vulnerable or angry about situations that happened or about like because it was also like a very awkward phase like I didn't really understand like what yogurt worked like there were a lot of different things like I was like my I was lanky I was getting taller I was going through puberty which involved testosterone which I didn't really understand why that felt so disgustingly wrong to me and like now that I'm older like I realized like there were things that were changing that I really really disliked that they were changing like the way my my face was shaped the way my voice sounded I was getting facial hair I didn't want facial hair um, like my legs were getting hairy, like there were like things like 
that were like, yeah. So I eventually I, I learned how to have a better relationship. It, 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 it took a lot of practice to know myself and to realize like who I was. Because I remember in sixth grade, I did, I did have that moment of like looking in the mirror like, and I remember like, I'm gay. And like looking in the mirror and like saying that and like dying of laughter because I'm like, like that's not like, <laughs> that doesn't like sound accurate to me. Like just doesn't like suit me. And then like I, like I really like looked and I was like, maybe I'm a girl. I'm a girl. And I was like, ooh, let's keep that. Let's, let's, let's put that back to the, the subconscious. Nope, <laughs> we're not going to address that right now. And then it wasn't until later that I realized that that was actually a, a moment that I really became closer to myself was when I, like, in the back of my mind knew that I was trans, but didn't have a way of expressing it or didn't have vocabulary to um, say that that was, or it didn't seem like a priority. Mm. I guess that was another thing. Like there were other things that I that I had to focus on, like trying to like do well in school. And if I had, if I was doing perfectly well, like there were like so many things. Like if I was like, if I was a perfect student and like so many other things, like being trans wouldn't have affected me as like in the same way because I would have, I wouldn't have had to focus on so much, you know? Mm-hmm. So like my brain, like I get scatterbrained very easily. Um, I don't know if people can hear it when I speak, but like sometimes like I don't always remember what I just said because my brain is traveling like 50 times faster than my mouth can actually speak. So I lose thoughts very easily. They just kind of just like, they keep going and I'm like, oh, I really want to like finish this sentence, but I don't know where it went. (laughs) Yeah, so things like learning that about myself was like, since you had to practice um, developing a relationship with yourself, what sort yeah. of things did you do? Um, for me, it was, I had to like, like dr- the way I dressed was, I wanted to dress certain, I wanted to look, I wanted to be styled in certain ways. I wanted to appear like stylish and like the what the things that I thought looked good were different on me, were mm-hmm. different than how, I guess, my mom thought things should look on me. So, like, there were things, like, I really wanted to wear skinny jeans. I really wanted to wear, like, I wanted to, to look, like, there was like, a certain look that I really, really wanted, but my mom was like, those look like leggings. Mm-hmm. They're too feminine. They're, like, things like that. And, like, my mom, of course, didn't realize that, like, now I would call it, like, gender policing mm-hmm. or, like, stuff like that where, like, someone is telling you that what's natural to you isn't, actually natural or isn't what you're supposed to want for yeah. yourself or something like that yeah um as of now how do you understand your gender um it's fluid, fluid. um my name is Jarrett kai and the kai part the definition that the first definition that i saw was ocean um mm-hmm. and that was the one that kind of just stuck with me because i felt like kai is like i'm an ocean of gender, full of gender, and then there are some places that are like oceans of like no gender, you know, where it's just like, yeah. Maybe like gender's like, maybe my expression is like the water itself and like Hmm. salt water is like one side of my gender and like fresh water is like another side of my gender. Like, I don't know. Like maybe it's like that, Um, but there are just, yeah. 
fluid <laughs> water that's how I kind of define my gender now what were you like as a child I was a very hyper very happy kid you know I'd have like weird sayings like a monkey in a haystack I would specifically remember I'd say that and just add it on to the end of things like you know oh my god that's so funny it made me laugh like a monkey in a haystack like it just I don't remember where those things came from like yeah so I'd have like oh yeah I was a weird kid I was really weird I was super queer and I remember like like counselors like growing up like counselors in camp or like certain teachers like they were probably queer themselves and like knew I was queer and they, they kind of like kind of like were very protective of mm. me because like I was very clearly like not like every other kid you know like my interests were different the way I carried myself was different yeah how are you different like specifically so from more from most like um children who would be perceived as male like I was a lot more feminine um the way I spoke was more feminine like I remember growing up like when people didn't know me they'd, they'd say like why do you talk like a girl hmm. and I never really understood like what they meant but like it was the inflections of my voice or the way I I phrase certain words you know um and like I remember like the moment I learned how to like speak like a guy like how like my voice like when like my voice had to like the testosterone like made it deep enough for me to like switch it down to like a different voice and like when I actually learned how to control that which was that was great because now I know like there's like this voice and there's this voice and I can speak in either one yeah yeah also as a singer that's like really helpful because it's like definitely like affected my range a lot more <laughs> so yeah Did you go to school? You mentioned performing, but you haven't mentioned, you said high school, but like what kind of high schools? Oh, I went to, to um, Brooklyn School for, of Collaborative Studies. Um, it's an expeditionary learning school um, based in Cower Gardens, Brooklyn, right near the bridge to Red Hook. Um, originally, I went to private school, um, and I went to private school for 10 years before switching to a public school. Um, and I just remember the culture shock and the difference in the way I was perceived in the way. So like in private school, I've been there like my whole life. So like everyone knew me and no one had a problem with the way I was Mm -hmm. because we all like kind of grew up together. Like even kids who were new, like there were already kids who had known me since I was from like very young and we were already very close. And so for example, sorry, for example, there were, like, when I moved to public school, like, the question that I got asked the most was, are you gay? Hmm. You know? And no one cared in my in, in my other school. Like, no one, like, cared. They're like, are you gay? Like, that was, like, literally the first thing that people would always ask me. And I was like, no. And I'd always say that because I didn't really understand that, like, I'm not gay. I'm, I'm trans. But, mm-hmm. like, that's, like, a whole other thing. Um, but I didn't really understand why that was so important to people, you know? Like, there are people who literally would not sit next to me, who wouldn't be around me, who would avoid me at all costs because they thought my gayness or my queerness would rub off on them. And it did. And that's fine. But, like, it rubbed off in a very productive way. Because that's a productive way. It did. <laughs> Sorry. Earlier you mentioned this idea of authenticity. Yeah. And what does it mean to be authentic to you? It means to not question the the things that 
feel like fundamentally right mm. you know and even if that's like there are some people who like to them hunting feels right like that's something they need to do or like something like tracking animals or like some people photography feels really really right and that's something that leads them to their authenticity some people like the color black feels way more connect they feel more connected to wearing black or just the color black than they do to wear it like orange or yellow or green or like a neon color because like that's just part of their authenticity and so i just feel like whatever speaks to you or speaks to your character speaks to your existence speaks to your soul that's those are the things that you need to fill your life with to make your life authentic so for me it's like femininity and the way I was perceived masculinely or femininely was very important to my authenticity because I felt like my masculinity was a mask that I wore um, and it was very difficult because I didn't realize that like I, I remember mostly because my my brother is cis and straight for what I know um, even though technically I shouldn't say this but like my brother dated someone who now identifies as trans and so like they they were and so technically you know they brought a guy home before I did but, you know just saying <laughs> um, but my my brother is um, straight and cis and so I modeled myself for a lot of the my childhood after my brother because I felt like that is how a boy is supposed to be. Like if I'm going, if I'm a boy, like I have to be like my brother. So like I like I remember his friends would call me Little Ian because that's his name, Little Ian. So his name is Ian, but like I look like a Little Ian, so they, they just call me that because that's like, you know. So having a brother, it was like I I had something to compare myself to to aspire to be more like so I can be accepted by society because the way my brother maneuvered the world to me was way simpler than like what I felt like like I had to think about you know like I had to think about the fact that like the way I laughed or like the way I ran like I ran with my arms I ran like Velma like sometimes and like my mom was like why are you running like that like what what is this like what are you doing or like why are you wearing your pants so tight and I'm like why doesn't it look like the way it looks like on my brother then it looks like they're like they why do they look so tight on me like why do what what is going on so like there were just like things that yeah that were different. When did you start breaking out of that mold? Uh, when I learned, I realized, so I, I think it was, I don't know, when I first, my first, um, my introduction to anything like not cis or anything genderless was like drag. Hmm. Like RuPaul's Drag Race. Like I remember, this? I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I remember going on a field trip and someone pointing at, at the billboard and like, mm -hmm. "Whoa, aren't they pretty?" And I was like, "Yeah, I think they all look amazing. Like they like their makeup and their hair is like styled very very specifically. And I think it looks great." And and I was like, so "Like like they're hot." I'm like, "Yeah, they're all like super hot. They're so cool." And then they're like, "Oh, well, they're all men." And I'm like, "They still look good to me. Like I'm sorry. Like that they that that you feel like." deceived or surprised but like to me it's just like they look like people to me and whatever they're wearing is the what they're wearing so like it was it wasn't that big like queerness wasn't as big of a deal to me you know that was like i didn't really get why i had to like i guess like i never understood why i had to act or 
present myself in a certain way that seemed more cis or more straight. Um, I didn't understand why, but I, I knew that that would make me, I guess, it would make my life easier, or I'd be able to maneuver the world better, or I'd be able mm-hmm. to find like work easier, or like stuff like that, because there, there isn't something that's different about me for people to look past. You know, I'm already a person of color, I'm already like whatever else Mari perceived as certain ways, and so why would I add on anything else to that? To that's like how, like mm-hmm. back of my mind, and I realized that, that was probably because like that's kind of somewhat of the mindset that my parents had. It was like, why would you? add anything like if you you're already there are already things about you that that people or society can try or will try and use against you why add anything else Mm -hmm. to that and so that's why i was like i just need to be like passing in more ways than like i just had to be like i I can just pass as a guy i'm just a regular dude you know one of the guys i'd like every birthday like i'd go see like a superhero mover move move right move movie which um I never wanted to see and I'd invite all the guys in like my grade like all the all the guys that I thought were cool um well now I realize I probably thought they were attractive then but I just didn't really understand the vocabulary of what that was um but like so I'd invite all like the, the popular who I thought was like really cool and popular to, to, to see this movie and some of them come and then have a sleepover after and like I remember like not everyone would sleep over like I remember some people like no I'm not gonna sleep over I don't know what with their parents what mm. that was like but I just remember that was kind of like a, a big deal for me. It was like I need to be perceived as like a cool guy, you know? And then I broke out of that and it was just like, I'm just a human. Like there's nothing that I have to do besides what feels right. And all I have to do is express what I, I what's inside, you know? Like express the beauty that's inside, you know? Like everyone has it. What age do you feel like you broke out? Of that. Mm. I realized I was queer, like queer, queer, like in sixth grade. Sixth and grade. that's kind of when it like started. You know, that was when I, I remember someone asked me if I was bi. Mm. And I was like, like, heck no. Like, of course not. And they're like, why do you have a problem with that? And I was like, I guess not. I, I don't. Like, it was like, an immediately switch. It was like, oh, I just, I just thought that that's what I'm supposed to feel like. No, mm. I'm not. Like, but I'm like, maybe I am. And then that went to like, maybe I'm gay. And then I was like, wait, maybe I'm not gay. Maybe I'm trans. Or like, maybe I'm just like a gender fluid kind of person. And maybe like, I don't really care about um, like the person or like what they're, how they're perceived by society or what their gender or what, what they're going through. It's like, maybe it's like certain aspects of different people's personalities. And so it just evolved over time, but I know like the starting point was in sixth grade when I definitely looked in the mirror and like had like a moment with myself where I'm like, who are, like, what are you? Like, who are you? Like, what, what is going on with you, you know? And yeah. And that's when I started talking to myself and became absolutely great. I'm kidding. Um, yeah. When did you first hear the word trans? Ooh. Ooh, I don't remember. Wow, that's a good I actually remember, ooh, I didn't know. I knew what a sex change was. Hmm. That was like the first, like... How old were you? I was young. Yeah. I remember I was reading, uh, no, I was in the the playground in like, I think it was like, one, like my first day of school or like something like that. And there were like babysitters and someone was reading a book and someone in the book had a sex change and they like were saying that. It's like, well, yeah, they had a sex change and like all this stuff. And like in the back of my mind, I knew what that was, but I was like, hmm, a sex change, that's cool. Like people can do that. People, I didn't know. And then I remember... 
watching something later on in life called um, it was Thumb Wars and like Thumbtanic. Mm-hmm. And I remember like there was a part in Thumbtanic where like the, the ship was sinking and they were like, um, like get your sex change, get your sex change. You can't go, you can't be saved. You're going to life for it if you're a man. And so like he would just go and, like like just ching and like that was like what I thought it was. Like it was just like brutal like castration. Like that's like what I like I thought like trans that was like my first concept of like transness. And then I realized like it was like no, like they're then YouTube. Hmm. YouTube. YouTube, my gosh. And I was like, Oh, there are like actual people who like don't gender or just gender however they want and i'm like whoa like you can do that like that's a thing like you can just create yourself and be whatever you want to be in your own person oh but i can't do that at home i have to wait until i get older so like that was something that was like i was waiting for so long like i had to like that like i was something another part of like being queer with me it's like patience like like, like my most of my life it's been patience for me like and I it feels like to a lot of people that I'm rushing things at this point in my life but I'm just at a point where like everything can just happen like what I would like I have the research to have things happen now like it's not that I'm impatient it's like I was so patient for so long and now I can like fully like be the person I feel like I am and that I want to be and it's just like really really great I can talk like this and like say like hi my name is Kai my pronouns are she her they them and I like turtles that's something I can do now before it was like um my name is Jarrett, and um, I'm a guy. Like that was like that was it. Like it was yeah. Also, like the way I felt the world, like that, mm-hmm. like I feel like energies and stuff. Like a lot of people's like different energies. Like I can feel people's emotions like very like very strongly. So if someone's like having a hard time on the train, I can literally like physically feel that, and it's weird. Um, but like so like when I was going through what I consider testosterone poisoning was when I felt like it was disconnecting me because like as a child like I was so connected to energy and like healing and like all that stuff like I was way more spiritual as a child you know and now like like at that point it was like now I have all this testosterone inside my body and I didn't realize but like that was like something that was like you can't cry like I wasn't emotional Mm -hmm. like I didn't feel like I could express my emotions I felt like my emotions are something that had to be acted out and like calculated so like how I was perceived like I you smile here you frown here you cry here you laugh here like that's just like how I was like oh ha 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 like everyone was laughing around me I was just like oh I laugh too now like I didn't really get how to be a person like and that's like why I'm like now like it's all natural to me now I'm just like me like I don't really have to worry about like um like how I'm perceived or like what emotions I'm giving off because I just feel them and they're just there and so that was something that's kind of awesome so yeah when was the first time you came into contact with a trans community any sort of trans community any sort of trans community. Mm-hmm. I went to no. There was a trans woman. Her name was Honey, and she would stand outside the train station when I went when I moved from private to public school. She'd stand outside the train station and just like say hi to people. It's like really really nice. And some people would give her money, and some people just would like. But she would just stand there and like to me, like I didn't realize like I knew 
like from seeing her that I was trans like that just it was like mm. like she called me girl before like anyone else she's like oh. okay girl like like she knew like she could see it and like that was like I'm pretty sure that was the first person who actually saw through like my like the the facade of masculinity that I put on and then when I actually started to like transition in high school socially and start to dress like myself and like got extensions and we wear makeup and like she was like, okay, I see you now. Like, I see, like, you're, like, you're you. I used to look just like you. You used to be so pretty. And it was just, yeah. I feel like that was that was someone, like, and to me, like, that's someone who some people would look over and it's like, oh, that's just, like, a, that's some, like, crazy, that's, like, some homeless person, some crazy person. Like, but no, she had a place to live. But she would stand there and, to me, like, just show, like, I exist. Wow. Trans people exist. And we are nice people. Um, hey. Like, that was, like, just the kind of energy that she gave off. And that was something that, that was, like, the first person or, like, my first real contact with, like, a trans person that I could, like, actually speak to them, you know? And then later on, like, through Cat Youth Theater, I met um, Christian, who's gender non-conforming and trans. And I didn't know at the time. To, to me, they were just, like, I to me, it was, like, gay and then, like, another level of gay that was, like, that was actually transness, but I didn't understand. So, like, I knew that there was, like gayness and like lesbian like I just thought it was like gay and lesbian straight like gay lesbian straight bi and like that was it and then like I didn't realize that like transgender or like trans was like another like when I, I remember like on Facebook when I like people like started posting things about trans this where it was like trans with the asterisk mm-hmm. and like what it means you know it's an umbrella term for this this and this and this and like different genders and like all this stuff and I was like ooh I like this. And then, yeah. I didn't realize how connected I was to the trans community until I got older. Like, there was, like, someone, um, like, in my school's version of a GSA. It was called Steps, Students Together for Empowerment and Peace. There was someone who worked there um, who was, like, an intern in, the, like, the guidance office. And his name was Owen. Um, he's awesome. Um, and he, he, like, I didn't know that he was trans. But, like, I remember an article came out in the newspaper that like in like the metro that they handed out mm-hmm. and it was about like a, I think like a lawsuit or something that he had won or something I wasn't really sure exactly what the story was but like it outed him to everyone in the school and I remember oh. there was a meeting that day at step where he was like I'm not sure if any of you saw but there was an article that that said that that kind of like just outed me so like yes I am trans I think this is blah 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 and like I was like you weren't born with that beard? Like, that was, like, my first, like, reaction. And, like, whenever I, like, meet a trans person who, like, I just think just, like, looks so, like, themselves. Like, I don't know. Like, there's, like, a... There's some trans people who haven't really found their... 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 Mm-hmm. Off, haven't really, like, fully developed their authenticity or fully developed their, like, their sense of style. And it takes time because you... It's, like, you have to go through puberty, which is just, like, some awkward, like... Like, real awkward, like tadpole with leg face you know mm-hmm. like or like a chrysalis face that, that kind of where you're like really kind of like sheltered and don't really understand how to like maneuver but then when you your wings start to like bloom and when your tail starts to recede back into your body and you start to hop around or flutter around like the butterfly or frog that you are um i just think it's that's when like people can really truly like like just exude like the gender that they're meant to be and it's it's hard for people to do that. Like, I don't think anyone that I've ever met is fully, like, complete, you know? Like, no one's done transitioning because we never stop changing. Mm. And I think that that's something that's kind of beautiful. Like, some people are like, oh, I'm pretty finished, like, transitioning. I'm like, no, you're not. 
Like you're gonna learn new things and you're gonna have different life experiences that are gonna change you and they are gonna make you feel that wow I cannot believe that at one point I thought I was done transitioning like I definitely need to like reevaluate this part of my masculinity or like even if it's like that like because I that's another thing like I I recently have met like a lot of trans men or like just interested and I've I have never like been around trans masculine or trans men before like as much like I I knew more about trans women or like drag queens but like to me like trans masculinism like the first like thing that was like even close was like uh what was it like a drag king mm-hmm. and I didn't really understand like there were like people who like feel really powerful in their masculinity and like then like I realized like no like trans this is like like the gender spectrum goes both ways like the, there's like the the red the orange yellow green blue and violet both both sides like the double way bro double rainbows like face each other you know so like there's like a whole bunch of stuff um but like yeah so i realized that there is like some toxic masculinity that kind of leaks into like everyone's perception of gender um or like just like just like the stereotypes that there are trans people who don't believe who believe that there are only two genders that there's only a binary and that there isn't anyone that like people who like differ are just like one or the other like truly and they just like don't they don't understand that and there are people who are like no gender is not a thing like you can identify as any gender as you want there are infinite genders and so like that learning that that there are people who like didn't think the same way as I did while still being trans was really weird for me that was another like culture shock yeah. I talk a lot no you're good um what is if do you have any like let me back up if there's one thing you would want people to know about you in order for them to know you what would it be my literal aspiration like the only life goal that i truly have that i will live by forever is that i want to leave this world a better place than i found it and that is how i live my life and to me that's acting um that's treating other people and literally like living by the golden rule and treating other people the way i want to be treated even if i'm having a time where i'm like i don't want to treat anyone how i want to be treated i want to punch somebody in the face even if i wouldn't want to be punched in the face like there are times when i feel like that but i'm not going to actually go punch someone in the face i'm going to assess why am i feeling like this i'm going to ask myself questions so i'm someone who i just want to radiate positive energy and hug everyone and i love animals and i love nature I've never eaten meat. I'm a vegan. Um, and I hope one day my, the, the love that I feel for, like, this existence that I have been blessed with can reach anyone else. Like, everyone. Or everyone, yeah, everyone. People, like, in the future, be like, wow, there's this person who, like, loved everything. Their name was Kai. Like, maybe not everything, but they were just, like, they left this world a better place than they found it, for real. Like, that is what they did, and I hope that's, like, that's, like, my goal. It's, like, I want to be, I want to change something. I want to make it better. That's awesome. Improve. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? Um... I've had a lot of times in my life where... Um, I forgot to like breathe and realize that not everything in this world is perfect 
and you can't change everybody and everyone's mind, but what you can do is change the way that you would react to something that you disagree with or react to something that you don't necessarily want to hear and learn to live with good enough while still striving for perfect. And hugs take 20 seconds for the oxytocin or whatever to kick in. So you need to hug for at least 20 seconds when you hug people. That's a proper hug. Cool. That's it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great.